Okay. I'll be reading from John 6, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but work for life, which the Son of God, man, Son of Man will give you for, for to do the works God requires. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. Go ahead and be seated, please. Good morning, church. Okay, that happened way too quick. <laughs> we could have sang six more songs. <laughs> um, gotta get all my papers shuffled here. First of all, I haven't been up here in a while. It's been more than two years since I brought a lesson. So that's maybe too long. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, some of you are recognizing this, which is awesome. And some are puzzled. What is that? It's not a Christmas tie. Okay? It's not a Christmas tie. This is my preaching tie. It was specially crafted just for me in the moment by Nevaeh Woodle a few years ago. She didn't know I was, we were over there in the prayer room before class. She didn't know I was preaching that day, I don't think. And I didn't have a tie on. So she gave me this and I put it on and I've worn it every time I've been up here since then. So it's my preaching tie. Um, a little update from the jail. It's all I know how to talk about anymore, so that's what we get today. Jail, jail message. Um, I do the footwork, what I do in there, but you are huge contributors to what's, and thank you for it. And um, I am part of a team that takes Celebrate Recovery into the for group meetings and have as many meetings as they'll allow us in a couple hours. And then I spend a lot of time in there doing one-on-one -on -one visits in Celebrate Recovery and want to know more. In the process of that, we provide Bibles. Celebrate Recovery Bibles are really awesome Bible. They're NIV text, but they have a lot of recovery material in there with the text, and they're awesome. And for some reason, this company called Bibles by the Case will sell us those Celebrate Recovery paperback Bibles by the case for $8.95 a piece. At the bookstore, they cost about $24. And so we, we buy them by the case and take them into the jail and give them away. So we give a lot of them away. Fred remarked to me this morning that the invoice I had given him for the most recent shipment was larger than usual. But that's because I ordered four cases and because the price was even better than usual. And so we have a good stock of Bibles now. We also buy the Celebrate Recovery Step Study Guides and give them to the guys and women, men and women both in the jail at a really awesome price as well. Um, on the outside, those books cost 
$20 for it's actually a set of four books. On the inside, they have book and get for $2.95 piece. By the 50 of to can, um, make that possible, and I thank you. Um, they're in helping with that support. <coughs> and so, my notes, I don't dare stray too far away. Um, thank you, anyway, for um, your participation, and most of all, for your prayers. I know that the jail work gets mentioned often, especially on Wednesday nights, because that's where I am on Wednesday nights. So thank you for that, too. This morning, here's, here's the big question. Here's the topic of what I want to talk about this morning. Do you ever ask yourself that question? Does God have a plan for my life? Or what is my purpose? Anybody? Do you ask yourself that? Well, that's easy. The answer is yes. God has a plan and a purpose. And then do you ask, well, what is that plan? How am I supposed to know what that plan is or that purpose is? That's easy as well. And that's what we're going to look at. We have some really clear teaching from the Lord and some of it through Paul of how to answer that question, those questions. And that's where we're going to go today. But first, I hear three common questions and two common myths that I want to talk about a little bit before I get into the meat of the lesson. Two, three questions and two myths, two things that are just false. Um, will or can God... I've been so bad for so long. In meat of the lesson, the last time I stood up here. Second one: Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Or a statement: God doesn't know leads to a great time of discussion and study, and that needs to be a whole lesson all by itself. The answer to that question. So, thirdly. I'm just trying to figure out God's purpose or plan for my life. I hear that a lot. How do I get there? It's interesting. When I meet a man that I have never met before, the first thing I do is invite him to tell me about his life. I don't care much about the charges against him, why he's in jail, but I want the bigger picture, the, the stuff that led up to that. And I invite him to talk about it. And they're almost always grateful, surprised, for one thing, that somebody wants to listen, and grateful that somebody wants to listen. And I hear horrific stories of abuse and neglect and drug use and alcohol abuse. And just the stories are horrific of drinking and driving and overdosing on awful drugs. Just crazy stories that make my mind shudder because I've never experienced any of that. But when he stops talking, I say, wow. So why aren't you dead? Boom. 
Yeah, why aren't you dead? You've described countless opportunities to me, incidents that you should have died. And he'll think about it for a minute, and the answer almost always is, well, for my life. And that is correct. I agree with him 100% that the only reason he can be alive today, God's not done with him, he sings. And so that opens the door to some really amazing stuff. I've watched tears away from their eyes for the first time in years as they talk about this stuff and hear things of God and about God that they've never heard before. So it's an amazing opportunity. Um, but I also hear these um, two myths spoken, believed a lot that I we got to talk about just a little bit here. The first one, everything that happens is God's will or part of his plan. Sometimes they'll say, like, it happened, so it must have been God's will. That is an absolute myth. If you have been sucked into believing that, please consider dispelling that myth because it is not true. It can possibly see the future without controlling it but he does and i all at once you can see the whole thing that's how god looks at time so he can see the whole thing even though he's not manipulating it um that helps a little bit um if if you're wondering think about some some specifics was it god's plan for Cain to kill Abel? I don't think so. God's plan was for the two of them to follow the instructions they had been given about their work and their worship and their sacrifices. That was God's plan that he wanted them to follow through on. They didn't follow the plan. Was it God's plan for Adam and Eve to eat of that fruit? Remember that picture? God sets them up. They have this amazing place called a garden to live in. Um, amazing plants, animals, food, everything you could want. They're given one rule. God's plan was for them to follow that rule. But they didn't. God did not have death built into his plan in the first place. He saw the whole line. He knew what was going to happen, but it was not the plan. It's plan for a man to sit in the bar and drink for hours and get totally wasted and get in his car that's on their way to Christmas dinner. Endorse that plan, but often. So it is important. Myth. And here's the second one. More of an expression than a question. It's a lot. I believe in God, but I just can't stand religion. You ever thought that? Been there? A little bit? A whole bunch? Yeah. Um, that in itself could be an extensive study, but we have to touch on it just a little bit. What, did, what does the Bible say about religion? Not very much. Words only in the Bible half a dozen times. And almost all of those incidents are speaking in derogatory terms 
about their religion. Jesus was really, really hard on the ultra-religious Pharisees, had no respect or appreciation for their religious practices because that's what they were doing, was practicing religion instead of practicing life. And James gives us a couple of clear um, I, uh, words. James chapter 1, you're familiar probably. Twenty-six, well, two places. Verse 16 first. Uh, no, that's not right. Oh. If any, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. What does that have to do with sitting in church? Don't hear me saying that. But practicing our religion, not done in this room. Okay, Worshiping, fellowshipping, honoring God with our voices and our, our hearts and our study, that's done in this room. Practicing our religion is not. It helps a man who has a mindset against religion to hear that. And I tell him a story about how when I first started into addiction recovery myself in 1990, all 27 and a half years ago, was when I first started to hear and understand the difference between being religious and being spiritual. I had never distinguished them before that. Today, it, the difference is huge. The difference between being religious and spiritual is the difference between godly and not. Okay, so those, those are the questions. Those are the myths. And then one other question. I think we need to distinguish between what is God's, does God's it's helpful in, in understanding the big picture to distinguish God's desire for me as it is for everyone sitting here this morning, everyone sitting out there this morning. I love this passage. Second Peter, Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, incidentally, that helps to answer the why doesn't God answer my prayers question. He does answer our prayers, but in his time and in his way. So, this is God's desire for every one of us. How does that relate with his will or plan for my life. <clears throat> Here's a little factoid to set up the, the rest of the lesson. It is a fact. On Friday of this week, I will have been working for Livingston Healthcare for 38 years. Yeah. That's like forever. 
almost forever, 38 years employed by Livingston Health. Does that fact reveal anything about God's plan for me or his purpose? You're just waiting to find out. I, here's my theory. And here's, God doesn't care much what I do, how I earn my living, but he cares a whole bunch about how I do it. Okay? So, my statement to anybody who's asking this question is, God doesn't care if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a ditch digger or a pilot or a pharmacist or an electrician. He doesn't care. All of those are admirable, worthy professions. And he's, he's good with that. What God wants me to do is do it the best that I possibly can. That is his purpose. That is his will for me. Whatever profession or job or whatever comes to me, that's what he wants me to do. And I'm pretty sure that's correct because over my 38 years working for Livingston Healthcare, I've been discontent with that job at times. I've struggled to say I want to be here. Um, I haven't always liked that job. And in fact, they've threatened to fire me a couple over the years. One of them was fairly year and a half ago. <laughs> so I don't think, here's what I think. I have three passages for us. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Okay? The foundation of God's plan for me is that I honor this. That this is my focus. To love as God has demonstrated and directed. To love God, to love others, to love myself. That is the foundation of his purpose for my life. No matter what I do for my living, I build it on this. So, what I've found as I've looked at this more and more recently is that I've not done this very well for a lot of those 38 years. And I've done it especially poorly at work. I sadly did not take seriously the commission at work. It was just a job. And I don't like some of those people. And they're in stuff like that. And so I just put in my time. I failed at this. Um, I'm also thankful to realize it's not a switch that I turn is a lifelong process. And so I'm better at it today than I used to God's plan for me to love like that. Second is the 
instruction by the Lord to bear much fruit. Turn to John chapter 15 if you're following along. John 15, 1 through 8. Jesus' words, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my showing yourselves to be my disciples. Again, in my life, that's God's plan. Power, and I can bear fruit. I have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that on my own, on my own, I become selfish and self plugged into the power. Uh, my attitude is that of bearing much fruit for the Lord. Um, doesn't specify. I mean, we're not all growing grapes, right? But we're all to be fruitful. And the third one, Colossians chapter 3. I would love to take the time to read the whole chapter, but I won't. I do urge you to please go and read the whole chapter and see that it is one discourse. Um, here comes one of my pet peeves. Chris told me, Danny, please don't start any fires. Because <laughs> I don't like to have to follow speakers around putting out fires. So I'll try not to. But... I think we commit a grave error when we pick a verse off the page and use it to prove a point and use it like a club that we have. I don't like that. I think that's bad. And so better yet, read the whole book. The whole book of Colossians is four chapters, minutes, maybe less. Um, here, A lot of men... We leave that for the women, female volunteers. So I'm only talking to men. Many of them suffer from that malady known as ADD, attention deficit disorder, right? So do I. I tell them, yep, I know. I had it before it was invented. It's just been me forever. Can't pay attention, have a hard time concentrating, easily distracted, um, if I sit down to read a page, I can look at all the words and see every word and get to the bottom of the page and not remember a thing I read. I have discovered reading out loud helps that process a whole bunch. 
And so often, if you were to sneak into my house when I'm doing my early morning devotionals, you would hear me reading out loud when I'm the only one there. I love it. It helps me so much to pay attention and, and actually see and hear what I'm saying. So there's three senses being touched by it instead of just one. And a lot of guys are willing to give that a try. And so I say, okay, go to your bunk with your Bible and read Colossians. Read the whole thing. Read it all in one sitting. Read it out loud. And then come back and tell me what you heard. And I tell them the same thing. There's loud. And come back and talk about what you heard. It's amazing. Okay, enough of that rant. Um, Colossians chapter 3. It's really helpful. What is started with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Okay, it starts out with, okay, you're aware of this. Change your thinking. Change your process. You can do that. ADD or not, you can do that if you want to, if you decide to. Um, set your hearts and minds on things above. Skip down a few verses, 5 through 11. He's given a strong teaching about what to get rid of, what to change. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Then he gives quite a list of examples of ways of the earthly nature that are offensive to God. It's a passage that sounds almost the same as Galatians chapter 5, the, the nature of the sin, or the description of the sinful nature of man. Almost the same list. And he says, that's how you used to be. You don't have to still be that way. Put that stuff to death. Then in verse 12, as Paul does in a lot of his teachings, when he says, stop this, he tells us, start this. What to put in its place. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe the fruit of the Spirit. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and grievances you may have as the Lord forgave you. Okay? That's what to do instead of indulging my sinful nature. And he with let in your body you are called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule. Submit my will to his will. And then the rest of the chapter, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1, are some specifics that he's given to, to specific groups of people. Wives, husbands, children, fathers, slaves, and masters. Some specifics about how to act, how to treat each other. But the important part is, in that passage two times, Paul says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it this way. And verse 23, similar words. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, 
not for men. So, I think that um, confirms that he doesn't for me. He doesn't have a specific career in mind for me. There's a living that are certainly offensive to God, but mostly as if working for the Lord, not for man. And that's trying to figure out what is God's purpose for me. That's it. That, that, that's his purpose for me, to love as he has demonstrated and taught, instructed, love God, love others, love myself. That's a whole study in its, of its own. How do I do that? We can do that. Um, bear much fruit in whatever I do. Whatever I do, do it as if working for the Lord. So, using these three teachings as my standard, my measuring stick, how am I doing? Ask myself that. Take that home and, and ask yourself that. How am I doing? Am I loving as prescribed? Am I bearing much fruit? Am I doing it with all my heart as to the Lord? And so... What else is there to say? Um, thank you for your attention and your nods. Appreciate it. Please consider this how and, and those questions. If you need to talk to one of the elders or help with making changes in, and now we're ready to stand and sing, Colton.